Welcome to Creativity and Soul with Jade. I'm your host, Jade Chung, and I'm an art therapist, intuitive healer, and integrative trauma coach. I help women heal their mind, body, and soul so that they can expand into a creatively led life that feels embodied, expressive, and authentic. In this podcast, we are exploring all of the different ways, avenues, opportunities, and concepts that are going to help you embark on your journey into becoming the truest version of yourself. Are you ready? Let's dive right in. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today I have a very special guest with me um, and it is C. She is a art therapist as well, but also is a generational trauma therapist, works with a lot of Asian clients. I will not um, mess up her intro. I'm going to hand it over to her so she can introduce herself. Hi, C. Welcome. Thank you, Jade. I'm super happy to be here. And yeah, how, how did I introduce myself? <laughs> I'm originally from Hong Kong. And so like currently I'm living in Poland um, with my Polish husband, two dogs, a very soon to expected mom. And so like I, as Jay said, I'm uh, an art therapist. I also really enjoyed using holistic elements in helping clients in healing so throughout the years I also adding in like yoga meditation inner child healing um, different elements in like helping to facilitate the space more holistically and I believe I share a lot thoughts in common with Jade as well so that's why we connected and yeah that's me yeah, amazing. Thank you for being here. So this is actually part two to um, an episode that we did on C's podcast, um, where we dive into some of the topics that we're going to touch on today. But let's see where else we could go with it and how much deeper we can Yeah, go into topics about healing, about generational trauma, um, all the stuff that we overlap in. Like we said, <laughs> we have a lot of the same interests. Um, I'm always just excited to talk to you. Um, so congratulations. You are in your very tail end, I know, of pregnancy, about to be a mother, like you said. Um, and then, you know, the first question that I really have for you is how, you know, I know this is such a big transition. <laughs> I am not yet a mother, so I haven't fully experienced this for myself, but I know and I can imagine how much self-support and also support that you must need from others in your life, whether it be your family or, you know, your community. Um, How are you supporting yourself through these big transitions? This one that you're in actually specifically. That's a really interesting question because this is a question I got asked a lot these days as well. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, is your mom going to come over to help you? Especially like in Asian culture, we have that strong belief. Like the first month after pregnancy, you will need to like take care of yourself specifically. And so like people would be asking me like, so would your mom come over? Would your husband's mom come over? And interestingly, it's because both of our parents are overseas. So like for my husband's parents, they, uh, his mom is in UK and my mom is in Hong Kong. 
and it's quite hard for them to get holiday and also that it's the period of time that oh it's so close to Christmas and like everyone has like plans and things so in short answer to that with support I would say that we, we won't have family over for the first month when um mm. after the baby born and community wise that we live in a very small village so it's very hard for our friends to just like pop into your house like to the neighborhood and so this was something that we were very worried before as well we were considering that maybe we need a nanny but because in Poland their official language is Polish which I'm learning but not very fluent with so if finding a nanny which is like a Polish nanny I I couldn't communicate with that Mm. it seems like more struggle with that so during the pregnant pregnancy period, I did a lot of time for myself to, like you say, how to self-support myself and a lot with my, my husband to discuss our, our birth plan. It's like more about the after birth rather than the birth because we know that, okay, so we don't have like those external support. So how can we manage that ourselves as well? So a lot with like doing with the preparation, no matter whether it's like physically, like our meal prep, like at least we need to sort out for ourselves, like the meals or like what we we are going to, how we manage the time, especially we have two dogs as well and things. So the preparation physically and also like mentally. So I won't say like I have read a lot of books, because I do believe every baby is like really different and mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to like predict it from the book how would it be but at least I try to like get the answers that I get the answers from the question I have in my heart now so to be more prepared on that we go to like birth class together we we talk a lot about mental health or like about what struggles we might face with each other so I would say like the support between me and my husband it becomes like the biggest connection or like the part that we try to to figure it out Mm. that's amazing that you are able to find that anchor point and that I don't know you, you know that like that core and that stability, mm-hmm. even even though that external support, you know, might you might not have like an extreme amount of mm-hmm. external support. It's it's ultimately at the end of the day, we always say that, you know, in mental health as therapists, we are mm-hmm. always encouraging our clients to focus in right on themselves and what they can offer back to themselves in periods of transitions um Mm -hmm. and using what already exists around you right using the different points around you Mm -hmm. so how are you know you mentioned that your focus right now with like figuring out this transition period has very much been like figuring out like you mentioned like like the after the after effect or mm-hmm. everything around like what happens after you give birth mm-hmm. so how how have and how will you continue to be 
giving back to yourself to make sure that you see like your like you without baby but you as just you is still like strong and whole and in there Mm -hmm. through all the waves and all the ups and downs Mm -hmm. I I love that because one thing that pops in my mind also like mentally how I have been like internally like prepare myself for is also it's also really a healing journey as well because when I when I project myself as a mom well like as someone who would have one more identity I I see a lot of moments of like those mother-daughter wounds inside me during the pregnancy so like when I remember at first I was saying to my husband that I really can project him as a dad, but I couldn't really see myself as a mom because there were a lot of fear inside me of like, oh, if I unconsciously did something like what my mom did, would I cause my kiddo to have a trauma? Mm -hmm. So like a lot of dive into myself to explore the wounds that before I didn't see that important to repairing myself on or like I didn't have the purpose on like oh why I need to look back on that it seems like painful to look back on those memories and now with like there is this purpose of like I want to nurture my daughter as healthy as I can then Mm -hmm. I was able to like look deeper and kind of like that reparenting to myself, yeah. it makes more sense now with like the baby coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something big to be said about, you know, all of us have experienced trauma, right? All of us, mm-hmm. all of us have experienced and have wounds from childhood and mm-hmm. I always like to take the viewpoint that, you know, our parents, all parents really across generations, you know, have always been doing the best that they could with the Mm -hmm. resources and the tools that they have. But, you know, the fact that now, you know, as a therapist, as someone who Mm -hmm. really is aware of mental health and, and how generational trauma can be carried for you to like, essentially like break those cycles mm-hmm. like that's what we're talking about when you know you hear the term like um like generational curse breaker or like cycle breaker um on the internet I mean this is exactly what we're talking about and it's mm-hmm. it's really big work um mm-hmm. has it been like how has it been for you like doing that work going into yourself with such a with such a big purpose to it you know to reparent Mm -hmm. yourself and then to be able to have to mirror that to your daughter Mm -hmm. I agree with you totally that our parents they they weren't like really consciously or like meant to make a wound for you but 
really is like depending on how much they knew at that time as well because you remind me of like currently when I would be like talking with my mom about something like the baby stuff or like about breastfeeding and a lot of answers I got from her is like oh I didn't know that oh I didn't know that Mm -hmm. there would be something like that and it made me realize just one thing that I experienced a lot when I was well I didn't experience well I did experience it when I was a baby but I didn't know it until I grew up it was she she keep talking about she didn't breastfeed me and when I hear like other kids were like breastfeeded and you know like there would be like this saying of like oh the baby who are breastfed then their health is better so whenever I got sick I start to go into the blaming towards my mother that oh it must be because she didn't breastfeed me or like the relative would say that as well and when during the pregnancy then we start opening up and talk about it then I know a lot behind why she didn't do it like she didn't have the resources to know that there were ways to help her to breastfeed so Mm -hmm. when she couldn't the first second time then she gave up and it made me understand her a lot as well so kind of made me realize that a lot of times when it comes to like reparenting or when it comes to like generational healing is not really about you need to like get an apologize from from your parents but it's about that understanding you you have or like you cultivated and and then you kind of like make peace with yourself because you stop blaming another person and you open up rooms to for that awareness for that understanding and I become lighter for myself not not for for like the forgiveness or like we say the apology yeah so some that that really really that really lands and I completely agree as well like I I feel like in the culture of you know, generational healing and therapy, a lot of us can get into, you know, as we're doing the inner child healing, it's like we realize we start to connect the dots between certain things that we have wounds around. Oh, how, you know, that was related to, like you said, like, oh, the way that my dad made me feel unworthy. Me, this is an example for me. Um, How my dad made me feel unworthy when, you know, he made a side comment about something when I was 14 Um, or maybe it was something bigger right and there is this blame game that we can find ourselves in if we are really not being conscious of 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 really what the healing work is which is essentially to we're doing this work right we're going to therapy we're doing this work in order in order to find peace (laughs) right within ourselves and when we hold blame or we hold anger or unresolved resentment for our parents or for you know really anyone around us our relationships anything like that that is that is emotion and that is pain that you are adding Mm -hmm. to your nervous system to what is already there right and that's perpetuating the cycle in many ways 
And at the end of the day, yeah, healing is about compassion, you say, and it's mm-hmm. about having empathy, real empathy, being being open to being open to perspectives and how people mm-hmm. have had to survive, right? And your parents yeah. have had to survive in their environments and how you are also in many ways we ourselves are are are, are living to survive but you know now that we're doing this work to go beyond surviving we're living to thrive and that's why we're able Mm. that's why we are you know now doing this work to Mm. to repair those connections but anyway I wanted to ask you actually um you know with what you were sharing about you know, these conversations with your mom, how has the, not, not only the, you know, intergenerational piece, but also how has the, the intercultural piece come into play? Because I know that, you know, like you said, you you now live in Poland, you've been away from Hong Kong for quite a few years now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are a lot of Chinese culture is, can be traditional, um, there are a lot of like cultural values and standards that I don't know. I feel like my Asian parents very much uphold that, mm-hmm. you know, the more that I've lived abroad, I've noticed not, not necessarily that your values change, but you're able to take on a different viewpoint. And it's um, sometimes there's dissonance there. So how has that come up? I'd love to know. I I agree with you that like the longer time I have been away and the longer time I have been in this work as well, it made me, one thing I would say the biggest change in me is setting boundaries. Mm. This definitely isn't something that we have been taught in our culture to mm. set boundaries with your family. That kind of is like, you shouldn't do it. It's a stigma to do it. And when it comes to like my family we were like really close and distance at the same time so like we are close in a way that we we're there for each other like you know that no matter what bad things happen someone will have your back Mm. but what I mean by the distant part in I see in my family or maybe in Asian culture as well is like those white lies that you would you would say to each other to kind of like facilitate a relationship or like to make the relationship better mm-hmm. in a way what what they call it so like don't don't talk about these like bad things or like um so for my a little story of my family that happened it was my aunt got breast cancer when she was around 35 and so she got her left side of her breast cut off and since she got the treatment and been through this trauma anything that related to like breast related to cancer these are like topics we we don't bring up on the family table because it's like those bad things you 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 shouldn't be bringing it up and so like this is what I mean the distant part like you know something big 
traumatic happened to your family, but you couldn't talk about it. Same as like for death, this is like a topic that the grieving part of my grands, this is something that they would hide under the carpet, which for me is like this emotionally should be more connected with each other to talk about it. Those topics are like a no-no. And so when I start um, leaving aboard and also like this year, so many things happen. So a bit of a background as well that my mom is from um, Shanghai. So all my relatives are living in um, China now. And also since like what happened in Hong Kong, then there are a lot of topics we couldn't really talk about it with like our viewpoints and things. And as the before transformation me, I would just like listen to what they say. I won't say back or maybe I would say back, but still I would allow the room for for them to like just say what, what they say, which I knew it would make me really uncomfortable, but I would take it on. And after I started doing the healing work I start to know what are my core values I set the clear boundary of like what is my space what is my values to hold and this has been really helpful for me to make peace with myself although they are also grieving to the relationship because we might not be that close anymore mm-hmm. but it also like for holding my own peace it feels worth it as well Hmm. does it feel easier or more difficult that a lot of that is now over the phone let's say that you know you you visit hong kong or shanghai once Mm -hmm. in a while um do you still ever get homesick or do you find that that space has been really really good for the boundaries that you're setting and these values that you uphold for yourself I think homesick it feels different now like before maybe like the first few years when I left home that homesick is towards relationship like I really miss to have my family around to have my friends around and now I won't say that I don't get homesick I get homesick more like for the food (laughs) for the things how convenient things are doing in Hong Kong but I realized that for a relationship to be maintained it's distance of course is like a key factor but if you want to make it work it will work Mm. and that distance also creates a space for me to 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 be more myself Mm -hmm. or like to have more rooms to go in depth of myself just you know in Hong Kong we all live like in such a small place with someone who like for example like for my case that I was living with my mom in a very small place so whenever we argue there is no room for us to calm down or like have the space to reflect on what happened so the argue just like get worse and worse yeah. until to a point that it's just like exposed but now at least like you say it's only over the phone there is this time and also like 
physical space but mm-hmm. to actually reflect on what happened before making the conversation worse yeah boundaries are such an interesting topic because yeah like like you say like culturally it is something that is not it is not taught <laughs> and not really appreciated in a lot of chinese culture but you know you also have boundaries when we talk about it in I don't know. I think boundaries can be a tricky thing when we talk about it, even in like the Western world, because mm-hmm. oftentimes we can use the word boundaries as a way of as a way of perpetuating, you know, any frustration or anger or like resentment that we have towards people. Like sometimes our energy in creating boundaries can be not out of self-respect or the respect of others but instead um instead something that we it's like a defense mechanism right it's like another defense Mm -hmm. mechanism but then of course like the other side of boundaries which I feel is the way that you are talking about how you uphold boundaries is when you can draw lines in the sand for yourself in a way that is self-loving right and that is respect like I said respectful for everyone involved and it's this understanding that like when we create boundaries from a place of love and respect we actually are saving a lot of the relationships in our lives and yeah I know that in Asian culture the lack of conversation around boundaries can cause a lot of unnecessary friction um, Mm -hmm. within families especially and then and then you know coupled with the fact that also in Asian culture we are not taught I guess or it is not especially like encouraged to be very emotionally expressive Mm-hmm. oftentimes emotions especially for men are really really seen as a weakness I think this is a general global you know phenomenon but I would say in Chinese culture it's even even more emphasized all right my in-depth foundational healing program alive is going to be opening its doors up again for our second round or second round of members in December. So we are going to be starting off 2024 with deep commitment to healing our mind body, to healing our nervous systems, to bringing our nervous systems back into safety, to feeling alive again by rewiring all of the limiting beliefs, dissolving all of the trauma, and allowing ourselves to come back to what it means to live a life that feels whole, feels healed, that feels soulful and pleasurable and where we are truly in our highest version of ourselves and living through the lens of creativity and curiosity. 
Alive is my, like I said already, foundational program that takes you through my entire healing blueprint. This is the blueprint that I use with my one-on-one clients that I have curated and developed based off of my own personal experience in my own healing journey, as well as my expertise as an art therapist, an integrative trauma coach, as an intuitive healer as well. And so this is truly, truly the one program that is going to change and shift your entire nervous system, your entire outlook on life and your ability to feel so connected with yourself, with the world and with the people in your life. This is not your average self-development or a mindfulness course. I am truly taking you through 11 modules of self-paced trainings practices and exercises that literally run the gamut from A to Z. And this is also a semi-live program where you get access to one full year of live bi-weekly group healing calls with me. So that's a total of 27 calls where we will be alternating and ranging between different topic-focused somatic healing, breath work, art therapy, conscious movement, energy healing, and so much more. We'll be diving deep into the active trauma release in these live sessions while you get the concepts, foundations, and knowledge and frameworks that is going to hold you into the rest of your life through the modules that I have pre-recorded for you. In addition, with this round, um, we are going to be introducing a full year of a private telegram group where you will get to be supported and support your peers, other members in this program. And I will also be dropping in there with weekly invitations, weekly riffs, and um, support for you guys as well. This program, I would say, is really for anyone on their healing journey or beginning their healing journey who is ready to commit to themselves on a deeper level. Through this program, you will gain a strong and resilient nervous system. You will become so deeply connected and present with your body that you will be able to master self-regulation. You will feel deeply open and secure in yourself. You will relieve all of those trauma-based and stress-related physical and mental symptoms that you might have been holding for many years and you have not been able to kick through talk therapy, through supplements, through medication, nothing has worked. This is the blueprint that is going to allow for you to have all of the tools, all of the frameworks that you need to come back into the home that is in your body and in your soul. So all of the details on Alive are going to be in the show notes of this episode. Read it through and if you feel called, if it speaks to you, then this is your time. Let's make 2024 a full season of deep growth, deep repair, and massive, massive expansion. I am so excited to be expanding the Alive community, and I hope to see you in there with me. But um, coupled with the fact that, you know, you're not supposed to show anger, you're not supposed to show emotions, you're not supposed to show when you are unhappy with something, otherwise you are disrespecting, otherwise you are making the family lose face, making the other person lose face. What that means is that it creates a cycle where people are not caring for themselves, not caring for their own Mm -hmm. needs. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that ends up actually projecting to the people and the relationships around you. And then it goes back to 
and then, you know, that's a cycle where you end up building more resentment within yourself and then you're not allowed to speak it out. And so you are just, that's why a lot of people are unhappy. (laughs) I do agree with you. I think a lot of like boundaries, like you say, we, we aren't really taught in a way that like is for our self care. Like boundaries more is like, oh, the hierarchy thing, like, oh, the teacher would tell you the rules or like your your parents would set like how you should treat them so when it comes to like the kids start raising our needs or like the way we see boundaries that is like offensive towards the high the uh, the generation and so like I feel this whole healing, like especially for Asians on boundaries is for the kids to feel safe, to feel able to speak for themselves. Yeah. For ki- yeah, for kids to be able to feel safe to speak for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, I it's quite interesting because you know I'm like as we're talking about this I'm reflecting back on my own my own childhood experience and like personally I was very much it's, it's quite strange like I was not necessarily not encouraged to express emotions and also not necessarily not encouraged to not have boundaries but I'm just I'm just thinking about it I grew up I grew up being really really open with certain emotions but really really closed off from um showing certain other ones especially anger especially Mm -hmm. um anything that was at all you could think of as like violent um Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to like quote-unquote talk back (laughs) to my parents I wasn't allowed to really voice any opposing a fit opinion but I was allowed to shut down or cry Mm. um and I don't know it's just thinking thinking about that like that ended up being such a big such a big wound for me (laughs) like especially as I started you know like with my own business and then like needing to really like speak up with my own truth and, you know, really, you know, even using social media, right. Like showing up and like just speaking every day and, like, mm-hmm. um, and like using your opinion, it was so difficult for me in the beginning. I was so terrified of, 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 yeah, of, of using my voice and of standing mm-hmm. up for myself. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember, I mean, this is really, I don't know what the purpose of this anecdote is, but it's it's coming to me, so I'll just show it, share it. <laughs> I remember when I was first, um, you know, starting with Instagram and, you know, doing reels sometimes, talking about mental health and art therapy, I had a few of my cousins, right? And again, like in Hong Kong, in Chinese culture, your extended family is like is 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 around <laughs> they are mm-hmm. very very you know we see each other like once a month for for lunch or dinner and 
you know, everyone is, everyone is very up in each other's business. Let's put it that way. Um, there's a lack of boundaries there. And so, you know, I had a few of my cousins who followed me on my work Instagram, somehow they found me and they would just talk about it. And it would make me completely shut down because I was just so not used to having, I don't know, like it was almost like I had a split identity, (laughs) you know? Um, And I think that is something that I'm just thinking about. I'm just thinking about this as I speak it. I think that can be something that um, can be an effect of, of having to suppress and hide parts of yourself through your life, right? Because we are all made of many parts, infinite parts within us. And when you grow up a certain way, feeling like you have to shut down um, certain pieces of yourself or that, you know, all of that, then there's a fragmentation there that, Mm yeah, yeah, that I don't know, I, I feel like is is more common than people mm-hmm. make it out to be. Yeah. I can definitely relate to like that suppressed that part as well. Because I still remember when I was I think 14, 15, that's time. Um, so I, I knew it for a long time that I have anxiety because the way of I brief when I was a kid I I need to like take really big deep breaths sometimes when mm-hmm. comes to something overwhelming and my gut issues as well whenever it's something that I know for example like as simple as I know that okay I'm going on a bus ride for half hour which I won't have bathroom then I would have stomach ache straight away mm-hmm. And those are some symptoms that I knew is since childhood, even like my whole family noticed it. But I got my diagnosis when I was around 14, 15 that time at um like school transferred me to like a psychologist for it. And after that, I told my mom about it. And her first reaction is like, okay, but please don't tell the family but please don't tell anyone. And so since then, I know that, okay, so I knew I have anxiety, but this is an emotion. This is a diagnosis that I need to keep it to myself. Mm. And that made me more more panic, more anxious as well, because Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, so if I have those symptoms, how am I going to explain to people? Yeah. Yeah, and we can definitely relate to that. Yeah. There's so much shame in that as well, right? When mm-hmm. when when you're asked, especially as a kid, to keep something to yourself yeah. and you don't understand mm-hmm. why, right? It's not explained to you why, especially when it's something to do with you and to do with mm-hmm. how you feel and you're not allowed to share that with people, then it it creates a feeling of shame. Yeah. So how have you healed that or how have you, you know, moved through and processed that that part of your life and that piece of yourself? It it creates a lot of confusion that time for me as well. But I guess it's like 
what I was describing, my family hide a lot of things under the carpet. So like it feels this confusion has been built up mm. so much. And there are still for some of the questions I still don't have answer with like my family. So when I trying to heal that part of like the things that my family would hide from each other and they would say it's for our good, it's because we love each other, this mm. part, it, it's, it has been challenging. I would say like it has been making me, myself, hard to develop relationship with others because you don't know what to trust. Or like mm. you don't know if that person is like hiding things from you. Yeah. And through I would say for probably these two, three years, especially when it comes to that, I start diving into myself when I start to have those questions. Mm -hmm. So like I start to get into why I want to know the answer. Mm -hmm. What would change me if I know the answer? So, for example, like um, my family still very reject to talk about my father a lot. So, like from my mom's side family, my father passed away when I was six, but I knew it when I was nine. And I knew it when the time that actually is 22 when I got married. So, I received my dad's death certificate and noticed that oh when the by the time that when the time like six years when I was six years old he passed away that time I actually live very close to the hospital I didn't manage to see him because my family didn't want me to have a relationship with my father or something they still don't want us to talk about it they like any topics that relate to my father is a taboo at home so when it comes to that, I had a long time confused and I totally don't understand why. But when it comes to these few years, I start asking myself why I really want to know the answer. Like what would change me? Would they change the way I love him? Would they change the way how he was projected in my mind or like those subconscious memories I had about him how I feel about him not really so like was the answer really important to me or is keeping my inner peace more important to me mm -hmm. then I feel like my inner peace when I don't dig in don't need the answer it actually works more yeah so I would say that's it's kind of like my healing journey, like finding where would make me most comfortable without the external seeking. That is incredibly powerful. That is that is huge. Um, and that is such an act of choosing yourself. And it goes mm -hmm. to it really, really is like perfect example goes to show like that. Oh, I mean, like many things, like, first of all, that you deserve to choose yourself, right? At the mm -hmm. end of the day, like, yeah. we choose ourselves first. And when we choose ourselves, 
and prioritize our own peace, calm, joy, happiness, health. Th that's the only thing that we can control, right? We can't control mm -hmm. the responses or the actions of, of anyone else as much as we like to try to. Um, and at the end of the day, it's like, the the work that we do is about, I feel is about like cultivating enough strength and enough resilience mm -hmm. and enough like personal power in yourself that you are able to, yeah, make these decisions, which can be so tangled up in so much attachment wounding. Um, mm -hmm. And I know how tangled it can be. So like, like your story is, is, so so big um yeah I mean it's it's about it's about choosing yourself I always say you know with my clients everything that we do it always starts with essentially like build it yeah like I said like building enough solidity and groundedness in yourself that you're able to hold yourself through and choose yourself every time mm -hmm. through life mm -hmm. um yeah I'm touched by your story <laughs> yeah I think like going deep into like do you really want it is a very yeah. important step in like our healing or like in actually finding ourselves yeah like what is it that you want what is it that would actually serve you <laughs> as opposed to finally like really being brutally honest with like how much of what we do and how much of what we seek is again like tangled up in what we believe we should be seeking and what mm -hmm. we what we feel like we're going to be getting from seeking things from others mm -hmm. um but at the end of the day it all starts within yourself yeah um Wow, that's powerful. I'm just landing with that for a second. <laughs> the healing um, is really having the power. It really is about having the power. Yeah. So I wanted to hop into maybe some pieces that you can share. I mean, we've shared, you, you've shared so much so vulnerably with um the listeners already but you know is there any advice or any guidance that you would have for anyone who resonates with what we've been talking about or anyone who is in a transitional period themselves right now whether it be you know to motherhood or something else you might be moving houses or moving countries um mm -hmm. what are some words of advice that you have I would say that First of all, I think everyone's journey is really different. So like everything that you experience is normal. And I want to use a quote that I, I saw probably on Facebook or Instagram a few days ago is specifically talking about motherhood, but I think it can be used in any kind of transition as well. It was saying that the moment that you would start to feel good about yourself is to realize that you don't need to be perfect. Like you don't need to be the perfect mom. You don't have to do the things as same as 
others do. You just have to do your best. And I think it's same as like for any kind of transition, no matter whether you move to another country, mm -hmm. what struggles us a lot is the comparison behind probably in the culture we grow up with or like in just seeing how on TV is also like this on social media that is always this comparison piece. But when you start diving deep into yourself to ask yourself questions, so did I try my best in here? Or like, did I really want that? Then you're fulfilling yourself instead of fulfilling like a social, social expectation. Mm -hmm. I guess this would be like some, some words that stick in my head when it comes to transition, when it comes to like my new identity as a mom about the struggles mm. yeah I love that I think like you know also bringing the word perfect in is really interesting because mm. you know I, like I know this like when we go through any kind of transition because of how unfamiliar the other side might feel mm. we can end up creating or attaching to certain expectations of ourselves to hang on to right to feel safe mm -hmm. yeah. when we are you know facing the unsafe and unfamiliar and foreign and mm -hmm. oftentimes those expectations and those ideals and that vision that we have can can kind of like air towards like like unrealistic perfectionism and so really acknowledging that piece is mm -hmm so important um and it's like at the end of the day like as long as we are moving through life and making you know choices and interacting with people and just living life from a place of being really anchored into our value system and anchored into what mm -hmm. what we hold as true and important and just prioritizing those those values within ourselves like that is the best and the most perfect that you can do right and everything mm -hmm. else is just you know we're all on our own path there's no such thing as perfect mm -hmm. you know we all know mm -hmm. that exactly yeah I love that mm -hmm. yeah I agree with you any last words for our listeners I'm just really happy for being here and having this conversation with you because every time I feel like when we dive into our stories, it's interesting to see like, mm. oh, I wasn't alone in that. Or like to yeah. see, just just to be able to be open. So yeah. like, thank you for holding the space for today. And being here. Um actually really quickly because you you also brought up a quote and this quote just popped in my mind and I think I I saw it on actually Instagram somewhere it's like someone like a therapist I follow anyway it was a really good it was a really good sentence and I think she said um shame dies when stories are told in safe spaces mm. and it's just so true and that is the power of like that's a power of, you know, having a mentor. That's the power of having the therapist. That's the power of being mm -hmm. in programs. That's the power of, mm -hmm. you know, connecting with 
peers, like we are here. That's the power of like connecting with your friends. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. the power of connecting with your partner, right? Mm-hmm. Wherever you feel safe in your life. To just, you know, inviting everyone to take one step further in opening yourself a little bit more to the people around mm-hmm. you that the pieces of you that haven't been seen or witnessed or that you've held shame for and in through your life, those pieces can start to be seen and start to be loved, right? Your, yeah. your little inner child can start to be held um, by simply just sharing, starting mm-hmm. to share. Exactly. Like our inner voice just want to be heard as well. So yeah. Yeah. The sharing holds the power. Yeah. Okay. So for everyone here who doesn't already follow you, who doesn't already know you and work with you, how can they find you? What do you have going on? Um, I know that you are going on semi-maternity leave. So just let, let the people know what's going on in your world. Yeah, sure. So like I'm most active on Instagram and I'm sure that Jade will link everything below because my Instagram title name is not that easy to pronounce. <laughs> so it's the dot double Voska, which I go with my name. Um, and currently, like because of the maternity leave, I I don't know how would it be with the baby. So like I I am not opening space for like the uh, my one on one therapy for now, but everything like if I have some ideas that I would be wanting to share or like I would have some something new coming up I would definitely share it on Instagram and I love connecting with any people on there as well so like if you feel our stories resonate just like pop your DM and I would love to hear from you wonderful and I'm sure that if um you know people do want to work with you one-on-one even though there are no spaces available if there's a wait list I'm sure you can pop into these DM and ask about the wait list as well um yeah okay thank you so much for coming like joining me today but you can find part one on C's podcast and yeah the the two conversations go really well together so Mm -hmm. um excited for you to to dive into that episode there as well. All right. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you everyone for listening and joining today. And if you enjoy this podcast, of course, please rate this podcast five stars <laughs> and share this episode with anyone you feel would benefit from our conversation, the topics we spoke about. Um, yeah, really important stuff. So thank you and see you next week.